Good evening everyone and welcome to tonight's episode of The Referees A Tanker. I'm joined tonight by my two co-hosts, Mr Michael Berthin and Mr Martin Shanley. We've got a action-packed episode today, going to go over the results in the top divisions and the cup competitions in Scotland and England. Touch base with the top leagues in Spain, Italy and Germany. And then we'll talk over the big moments that have happened throughout the last seven days since our last pod. If you're a fan of the content and you he- you like what you're hearing, please um, subscribe via Apple, Spotify, the usual retailers. You know the drill. Enjoy, guys. Take care. We did see um, the Scottish Cup taking place over the the weekend. I'm not going to go into all the results. It is multiple, but obviously I'll pick the the major ones. Obviously, we've seen Rangers going up to McDermott Park, and I don't know about sneaking a one roll result. I, don't, I wasn't aware of how the game went. Bob, were you there? <laughs> no, mate, I'm boycotting it. Oh, you're boycotting it? Quite right, mate. Everyone was boycotting it. I, the did game... the, I did see the goal, and I thought that based on the stats that I did see, it looked like Rangers done a, a decent job. Um, I noticed that the Partick Thistle came through a tough task against Dunfermline, winning on penalties through for Hill. Um, Premiership opposition went out. Um, Ross County getting beat from Hamilton on penalties. Motherwell got through a tough tie up at Arbroath. Celtic demolished Morton. Um, and we've seen Sunday, we'll no need to discuss this one too much, but Hearts demolished Hibs at Easter Road 3-0, which was a, a really, really poor Poor performance from the high bees. Shock of the week was most definitely Darvel beating Aberdeen. Um, I'm not really <laughs> sure how how to dis- how to decipher that one. That's a massive jump in class, and Darvel have done extremely well for themselves to get a result with that. That's a that's a really really poor result for Aberdeen. Um, obviously midweek prior to the cup ties, we did see a, uh, three fixtures in the Premier League: Celtic beating Samirin four 0 at Parkhead. Hearts demolishing Aberdeen to put the pressure on Jim Goodwin with a 5 0 win at Tynecastle, and Rangers coming from behind to beat Comarnock 3 2 at Rugby Park. Gentlemen, what stood out for yourselves over the weekend? Has to be Darvel. Has to be. It's hard to disagree with that. I actually watched the full 90 minutes of that game, and Darvel more than deserved their victory. Aberdeen were rotten. Atrocious, I heard, yeah. Rotten. It's and the fans those, quite rightly booed. So it's one of those ones where um, th- throughout the weekend we we talked last week about where the possible shocks should be. Looking at the Dun United University Sterling, the Arbroath Motherwell, Stenhouse Muir Livingston, and yep. the only one you could maybe call a small shock was maybe Hamilton knocking Ross County out. But yeah. even then, both teams are bottom of their leagues. Yeah. They're both in dire form, so the cup gives you a bit of a break. But I honestly did not see that Darvel result coming. I thought as much as you you would love a fairy tale story um, coming up in the cup and a, a big upset, that's one of the ones I didn't see coming. No, I've got to no. agree with you. I think that the you you as a as a small low as a small east uh, west of Scotland outfit, you would like to think that you're you you're going to be up for the challenge physically, maybe not quality-wise, but you think that you'd give them... A, you'd have to make them work for the money. I thought that's what you'd get. I thought Darvel would maybe get a goal, but I thought Aberdeen's quality would eventually come through. However, that's a bad result for Aberdeen on the back of a, 
a relatively poor couple of weeks, getting beat for Rangers in the semi-finals of the the League Cup, and then obviously going to Tynecastle and getting absolutely crucified by Hearts. Yeah. So yeah, not great. No, um, it wasn't. It really, really wasn't. The, the the Premiership fixtures during the week saw expected wins for Celtic, Hearts, and Rangers. Celtic made pretty easy going of the St Mirren win at Celtic Park. Hearts, obviously, like we said, demolished Aberdeen. Rangers Kilmarnock was a bit of a, a tricky one. What do we think? I think Rangers were always going to win the game, but the red card definitely helped. That's what I thought. Which I thought was harsh. Yeah. Second yellow, especially very harsh. Um, but Rangers, obviously, they take their chances. Kamara scored a couple of good goals, but Rangers were always going to win that game, I think. Killian made it hard for Rangers at, at Rugby Park for the last couple of times they have they have played, but I feel like, like you said, I think Rangers really needed to get the win, but they're conceding a lot of goals, Rangers. I don't see... I feel like, man, I don't know, Michael Beals maybe just... He's got his work cut out there. Defensively, has he? They are scoring goals, they're winning games, they're unbeaten in their nine games that he's taken over. Mm. But they are conceding soft goals. Yeah. That's what somebody they need to tighten up a little bit, I think. It's almost yeah. that mentality of uh, you score one, we'll score two sort of scenario, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah. But with those results, we still see Celtic with a nine-point gap at the top. Hearts are kind of isolating themselves within third place. Quite a far bit behind um, Rangers, but comfortably ahead of fourth place with a seven-point gap back to back to fourth place Livingston. Yeah. Um, with Ross County looking like they're <clears> not picking up many points, they are three points adrift from the playoffs places on 17. Then it kind of tightens up a little bit. Um, obviously, three teams on 20, Kilmarnock, Dungeon, United and Motherwell. Then you've kind of got a little bit of a, a gap to St. Johnston, St. Mirren, then Hibs kind of languishing mid-table. Not really much happening with those teams, to be fair. Not really close to the drop as of yet. Maybe Saints a little bit. But it's really, really bog-standard um, middle of the table. Um, what we did see, though, if we moved down to England, we've seen um, midweek. Man United conceding late on to draw one out of Palace. Thank you. Um, thanks to um, Michael Alise bullet of a free kick. Wonder Fantastic goal. Unbelievable. And Thursday saw Man City coming from behind 2-0 at the break to come back to dismantle Tottenham, who quite frankly just absolutely just crumbled. Eh? Tottenham, Tottenham all over the back. Eh? Uh, big results for West Ham beating Everton 2-0 which was inevitably Lampard's last game in charge for Everton, but we'll discuss that um, later on. Aston Villa picked up a good three points away to Southampton, which keeps them in the mire a little bit. Um, and Liverpool-Chelsea played it the most boring 0-0 draw you're likely to see between two teams that are supposed to be of an elite level. Uh, that was a Saturday game Sunday. Um, Man City, Haaland, 3-0... Nothing more needs to be said, but that one pretty comfortable. And Arsenal United played up the game of the weekend with a 3-2 win for Arsenal, winning it late on through Eddie and Ketia. Great game. I thought Arsenal were brilliant in the last 25 to 30. Really pushed the pressure on United, who looked like they had settled for a 2-2 draw. Done well to keep themselves in the game, Man United, but Arsenal's pressure did tell in the end. I like Liam. Like, uh, Liam I totally agree with what you said there, Liam. I thought United more than matched Arsenal for 70 minutes, but then... They kind of just sat in and it's like uh, almost accepting the fact, oh, we'll take two all, that'll do us. And Arsenal kind of pushed on and then they get the goal. Sometimes you get the goal, sometimes you didn't. And luckily enough for Arsenal, they got it. So fair play to them. They kept going. United kind of settled for the draw. That's the most disappointing thing for me. But yeah, I still think United are on the right track and they're definitely heading in the right direction, as are Arsenal. Did you see the game, Bob? I did, yeah. I did watch it. 
fantastic game. Yeah, I thought it was really good. The fact you got five goals in it as well was great. Yep. Um, I th- I, th- I think there was a it was a very close match. Yeah. Um, but I, th- I still think Arsenal were maybe shading it, and as she says, in the last twenty minutes, really pulled away. I mean, the goal from Rashford was a, a brilliant strike. Fantastic strike. Really, really good. And, but Saka's Saka's was almost the same sort of one where he's just driven it low. It's into the exact same corner as Rashford put his. Yeah. Um, so I, the, the quality of goals were there as well. So it wasn't just like it was a mm-hmm. there was five goals. There was good good quality goals in there as well. So yeah, it was a very enjoyable game. I, I think if, the, if based on the game and you look at the stats and the pressure points in the final third and the key passes, Arsenal would walk away from that game feeling a little bit disappointed that they didn't get the result. But when it comes so late on, it is a total body blow to United who would have been desperate to cling on for that point. But there was one worthy winner in that game. It was most definitely Arsenal. I thought they were really, really... They were really good. It was a, a win that that that's the kind of win that you feel like wins championships. Eh, I feel like those kind of wins late on against a rival when it's been a it's been a really nippy close game. And it makes you it makes you believe more. It does definitely. I think it's hard to say that United um, are not worthy of their their point. They were good, but that's a big win for Arsenal. Big statement win. I think the fact as well that Man City won earlier on in the day. And because of the way the games were going at that point, they were within a couple of points of Arsenal. Yeah. Um, even though Arsenal would have had two extra games, but until it levels up, you won't actually see the extent of Arsenal's lead just now. They're obviously five ahead with yeah. an extra game in hand. But yeah. if they draw drawn that game, um, they would only have been three ahead with one game in hand. Yeah. Um, and it starts to maybe Take not that. look as rosy, yeah. whereas that's given that's them a, a nice good boost. It does give them a little bit of a cushion if they get that game in hand and they get three out of it. I'm not who sure it's against and when it is. However, to get that game in hand and get three, you're talking eight. That's a that's a big ass for clubs. To, now, don't get me wrong. The last team you want to be chasing you is probably Man City. <laughs> yeah. But you look at this. I've got the table in front of me now, and you look at Arsenal's little bit of a gap. It's just, and then there's a little bit of gap from Man City back to Newcastle and United. Then after that, it's it's very narrow and very bog standard between. Tottenham look again. We're not going to go into it too much, but the table does kind of squeeze up a little bit. The bottom's quite interesting, to be fair. Um, obviously, it was big win for West Ham. Big win took them out of the drop zone. And yeah. Everton, obviously, we know and now sacked Lampard. Um, I think that they had no choice. Well, I take it back. I think they had the choice. I don't really not sure what he could have done, but that was a big result. Big big result for our West Ham. Um, huge. But yeah, yeah, huge. We do have some talk- talking points to cover from the the last seven days, and we can kind of go over each one on its own merit, and we can we can touch base and see what we think. Um, so Aberdeen getting knocked out by Darvel. Um, Michael's got in the production notes there. With some of the money that's been used in the Lowland and Highland League, are the upsets as big as they used to be? Or will this go down as one of the biggest Scottish Cup shocks in history? What's our thoughts? I think it has to go down as one of the, one of the biggest Cup shocks in history. There's five leagues between them. There's 56 places between them. Aberdeen have got... Well, have they got internationals in their team? Well, they must have. Yeah, right. And these some of these Darvo players are part-time. Well, most of them are part-time. I think yeah. they are, all of them are part-time, actually. I imagine so. I can't, I'll tell you what sums it up after the game. A Davo player, I don't know, I can't remember his name, got interviewed, and he was they were he was asked they were he was asked, "Are you going to be celebrating this victory tonight?" He goes, "No, because I'll start my I'll start my night shift in an hour." Brilliant. I'm not allowed to celebrate. So that that just sums up how big an achievement they that they just pulled off there. 
Yeah. Bob, what's your thoughts? Uh, although I've put in, it was just a case of discussion. I know there is a bit of money in the, the lower leagues and people at least do get money put in, but the, the gulf in positions in the league and leagues is just incredible. Yeah. And they've done amazing. Now, the only thing I would say about it is that these games are always hard for the bigger team in a sense of mentally preparing for it. I mean, we've all seen the the pre-match talk by the Darvo boss going on about how oh, you've got so many millions of minutes in your life, you just need it for this 90. It's an amazing speech. Yeah, yeah. But someone like Jim Good, uh, Goodwin can't say that sort of speech to no. Aberdeen. If he said that to the Aberdeen players, they'd be looking at him going, are you nuts? Yeah. Um, and again, it was almost like St Johnston last season when we played against uh, Kelty Hearts and got knocked out against Kelty Hearts. Yeah. These teams on their own pitch, they've got the big fan base behind them. They're, they're, they're quite happy to sit in and catch you on the counter. Yep. It's just, and it's one of those games where it just kind of gets away from you. It's a no and, win for Aberdeen. If they win 7 no. 0, no one says a word. If they get yeah, beat 1 0, exactly. it's an absolute nightmare. It's mad, doesn't it? I'm, yeah. I, I, I'm not going to even attempt to do Darville a disservice. I think that the, the Lowlands, Highlands, East of Scotland, West of Scotland leagues are probably of a, a pretty decent standard. They would probably cope in League Two. If they had the professional status in the setup, I think they would be quite. Some of the teams would be quite happy with the step up, right? Yeah. But again, they as a as a unit as a club, they've done a fantastic job to to compete against Aberdeen. But you've still got to put this down as an absolute apocalyptically bad result and a massive shock. I thought Brewer Rangers v Hearts a couple of years ago was a shocker, but there's there's more. There was only like three or four divisions between those two. Now there's like was it six, five, five? What on earth is going on there? 56 places in the league difference. Nah, no, that, that's that's I'd say that's as far as I can remember, that has got to be the worst result. And I'm so glad it was Aberdeen No Hibs because I think <laughs> it'd be the exact same result based on the result that we that we just witnessed there, gentlemen. Um, quick question would be Does Jim Goodwin survive this based on the time of recording at eight o'clock on Tuesday night? He is still the manager of Aberdeen. Is that a surprise, or should he go? I think he should go, and I was quite surprised um, during the day today that it's not been released that he's been sacked. Yep, Michael. No, I don't think he will go. No, no. I think he should, but if you can't, you can't preside over that result after getting absolutely scurried up and doing the place by Hearts of Tynecastle and expect that that's an acceptable way for Aberdeen, considering the standards that they set at that football club. Now, I'm not saying that they're world beaters, but they do expect better than what they're getting and I think he should be held completely accountable for that I, I do but I think the fact that they're fifth in the league um, if they were languishing towards the bottom and they were looking like they are going to get in a relegation fight you get knocked out by Darvel I think it is I think it's a one-off game I think it is it is a massive kick in the teeth for them to lose a game like that Yeah, I still think as a one-off game over 90 minutes it yep. won't be based solely on that result a large if, part of if, it would have been, but if he gets beat, if Aberdeen get beat for Hibs Easter Road on Saturday, which now looks like a pretty big tie for both clubs, then he's in trouble. Yeah, because there's not really much he can turn around and say that. Well, it was a one-off. Okay, well, you went to Hearts last week and got turned over. You went to Hibs and got beat. You're not really giving us any real reason to not sack you. Yeah. So I think he's. I think if he goes to Easter Road and gets beat, and if he gets beat convincingly, which I don't see it, but. 
if he gets beat at all, I think that's a hard, hard sell to keep him in a job after that. I think the one thing you have to look at here is, as a behind-the-scenes thing for Aberdeen, can they really afford to sack him? It's a big question. They just sacked Stephen Glass a year ago, and then you got good one for a year, and now you got to sack him. Yeah. I bet they're still paying Stephen Glass. Probably. Oh, God, I. Oh, it's the same problem as what Ibs have got with Jack Ross and Sean Malone. I bet they two are still getting paid. Yeah. Can they really afford to sack the manager? It's a big question you don't know the answer to. Only clubs know the answer. Yeah. Can Aberdeen afford to sack Jim Goodwin? My guess is probably not. That's why he's probably still in the job. Potentially. Potentially, yeah. Uh, moving on, uh, we saw uh, Frank Lampard losing his job at Everton. It was, it felt like an inevitability that was coming. Um, I, I, I kind of feel from. I'm not sure what else he could do considering the constraints around the club, the, the quality of the squad. But the the defeat at West Ham felt like a, a monumental moment in terms of there had to be a change at some stage. I'm not really sure what it could have been or should have done. But again, should he have been given more time? What's our thoughts? For me, if, if, the way I see it, I don't think, Frank, I've said this right from the very start, I don't think Frank Lampard is the problem at Everton. I think players. Some of the players are going to be how we look in the mirror and say, "Have they been doing it for them? Have they putting the putting that extra yard in? Did they do the business for Everton?" I don't think they have been. Mm-hmm. And it's the the problem with Everton is the hierarchy, as in the owners and Bill Kenwright and whoever else is on that board. Mm-hmm. All the flack is with them. All the protests that the fans are aiming is at them, and they've taken the easy option to take the flack of themselves by sacking the manager. And my Frank Lampard doesn't did not deserve to be sacked, in my opinion. Bob. I think I think it's it's a hard one. I think that it's it's one of those cliches that football is a results business. If you're not getting the results, you end up getting sacked. But there's a, something to be said about showing a bit of loyalty to a manager um, and trying to persevere with their yeah. idea. The fact you the fact you get them in and they tell you what their ideas are to give them less than a year in charge doesn't let them build that. As I says, the the club's rotten from the inside out. Yep. Um, there needs to be massive changes all over yeah. the club um, for them to get back to where they think they should be. Um, but yeah, I mean, you look at the likes of Ferguson when he went to United, he was given a few seasons, hadn't won anything, although he's close to getting sacked, he then turns it around and becomes the best manager the world's ever seen, or one of the best managers the world's ever seen. That's it. It's, I a, think, it's, a, it's a hard I think one. Yeah, I think it's a hard one as well. Like you, you look at the results on a solely results basis, and it's difficult to have to make a case for him to keep his job. And then you flip it over and you think, okay, well, like you said, the upheaval of the squad, the lack of funds, the financial fair play taking effect in terms of what they can actually purchase. They've moved a lot of players on. They lost their main striker, Richarlison, never really replaced them. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, it's never fit. They just look a team bereft of confidence. And like I think I said this last week in the, the pod, or maybe it was off air. I think if you're a hand pick a squad to fight against relegation, Everyone's would be the one that you'd never go near. It looks like it's full of like now no disrespect to Wobies and Greys and Calvert Lewins, they're all nice players, but nobody's gonna take the, the the team by the scruff of the neck and set the standards high. In all fairness, you kinda need players like Leighton Baines. Seamus Coleman, Phil Jagielka, Tim Howard, that kind of era, that's what you need now, and they've not got that. I think they're toiling. The other thing as well is you've got to look at it and wonder who it is that's doing the business in terms of bringing the players in. Yeah, It's Frank had a good say in who comes in, because, I mean, you look at, there was something I seen the other day, it was on Talk Sports, Andy Goldstein, 
and he was talking about West Ham. And in the era of having uh, Gold, Sullivan and Brady as the chairman at West Ham, Danny Ings is the 53rd striker they've had. I've seen that. Now, what a stat this is. 22 of them haven't scored a goal for West Ham. Yeah. <laughs> that's a that, shocking stat. That's massive, isn't it? So Not even one goal. Happened. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing, nothing. No goals. <laughs> and you're looking at it saying, well, me. who's signing off on these players? Who's signing off on these strikers? The same guy staying signing for Ipswich. <laughs> <laughs> So, so although managers get the flack for um, the results at the end of the day, you've, sometimes their hands are tied with the, the stuff that the players they're getting, they're having to work with, they're getting brought in. Yeah, yeah. no, I fully agree. Um, my question on the back of that discussion point would be twofold. First of all, should Lampard have been given more time and also, irrespective of who was in charge of the football club, do they go down? I think he yeah. should have been given more time. And do they go down? I think they go down. I think regardless of who they get in now, I think they'll go down. Uh, I, I think sacking Lampard was the easy option. Yeah. And they're taking it. This is what I was, we'll just sack the manager. That'll help us. But it's not yeah. going to, it's just going to make it worse. And I can't decide if we'll go down or not yet. I don't know. I think, like you two, I think, I don't, I don't think it really matters who's going to be in charge of the football club. I think they've copped out by getting rid of Lampard when the, the problems are higher up the chain. The recruitment has been poor. The the amount of money has been spent on players that have not quite lived up to expectation. Um, I think they will go down. I think they're they're they look like a ticking time bomb. Uh, I heard today that Anthony Gordon and Andrea Nana never interrupt the training because they've been speculated with moves away. If they move on now, don't get me wrong. There's there's dis- dispute over the the quality of players they've got in the squad. But if somebody comes in and cherry picks the ones that are half decent. Oh, my. And they've got a big, massive stadium they're building. I just feel like they're just, oh, they just look like a really bad place. The clubs are messages now, so I think they go down. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we did see Arsenal defeat Man United with a, a fantastic game at the Emirates, three um, two. A late Eddie and Katie, a goal that we mentioned earlier. Based on what we've seen so far from Arsenal, uh, more points in the invincible side. They've got the same record as Napoli do in Serie A and they're, they're absolutely lighting up and everyone's rave reviewing about them. Do we see Arsenal go on to win the league? Um, or will we see one of the Manchester clubs reeling them back in? Uh, I still think there's going to be some sticky moments for Arsenal before the end of the season. They've still got 19 matches to play uh, and I still think one of the Manchester clubs will catch them but it won't be my United, unfortunately. It'll be... So Man City. <laughs> yeah. um, It'll be Man City, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I still think City will win it. Okay. Yep. The, 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 as the weeks go on, though, do, do, you, do you feel your opinion starting to just slightly thin? Because, like. What, my opinion on Arsenal? No, not even an opinion on them as a team, as in, in terms of their ability to win the league. Like you said, City would win it. Yep, they've got the and ability. Then, and then uh, the, the ability's never been in question, but as no. the weeks go on and the, the gap doesn't get closed. Are you not slowly starting to think, okay, Arsenal might actually do this? Uh, I think Arsenal can do it, but you've got to look at some of the fixtures they've got coming up. They've still got to play Man City twice. Yeah. They've still got to play Liverpool again. They've still got to play Chelsea again. Yeah. But then Man City have got to play all the yeah, teams as well. Man City have got to play all the teams as well. That's very so, true. It's, it's, it's how Arsenal handle these big matches. And if they handle it like they did on Sunday there, then they'll go quite close. Yeah. Bob, what are you thinking? I, I think that, um, I'm not saying this, this would be as a big a shock as Leicester was, but Leicester, you kept watching them when they won the league back in 16, was it? Yeah. 
Um, and you kept watching them, thinking, "Nah, they're gonna they're gonna come undone at some point. They're gonna come undone." And they kept going and kept going. And then you're starting to get the they can actually do this yeah. and actually believe in it. So I think it's almost got the same sort of vibe where everyone's still saying, "Ah, Man City will catch them," but Man City keeps slipping up. They're not yeah. looking as good as they did last season. Mm-hmm. You had Guardiola come out and say that as well. The fact that they've they've won so much means that they're almost resting on their laurels and he's trying to shake them out of it. Yep. Um, the comeback against Tottenham is great. The fact that they were 2-0 down and came back and won 4-2 shows that they still have some amount of fighting spirit in them and they will never give up. Yep. But yeah, I just think I think this could be Arsenal season. So do I. Honestly, I think as the weeks go on, like Marty said, they've got some tough fixtures, but that doesn't mean like like all right, they've got to play Man City twice, but Man City have got to play Arsenal twice. They're they're they know fine well they can't slip up. If Arsenal go and take if they God if they if they were lucky enough to win at the Emirates and take something at the Etihad, then that, that, I'm sorry, but that 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 gap's becoming a bit too big for Man's even Man City to gather in. Yeah. I think Man City are going to score a shed load of goals. I think you're going to find Haaland arguably scoring forty. But I, I wonder at what stage the that gap's going to have to close soon enough to get the momentum to reel them in. You can't wait till like late April, early May to think, oh, we'll still get them, we'll still get them. Like you said, Leicester, you always thought somebody would catch them. Just never happened. I think there's there's a, a very very strong possibility that Arsenal take the title. Well, it's only going to be Arsenal or Man City that wins the league. I don't think anybody, anybody else below can win enough games to catch that. Yes. So that's only between Arsenal and Man City. And the two games they've got to play each other in the league before the end of the season are humongous. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, moving on, for, talking of Man City, uh, Mr. Haaland found himself back amongst the goals as expected. Uh, Hadra against Wolves. Penalty, tap in, head off the inside the box and with De Bruyne across. Pretty standard bread and butter for Haaland. My question to you two would be, how many does he score in the league this season? Now, correct me if I'm wrong, is he on 24 and 19, Bob? Is that right? I'm not sure. I thought he was on 25. Maybe 25. I, I think he was. Tw- I think it was 24 after the second one, so I think he may be on 25. I think you're right. But wh- what, at what point, oh, first of all, he's going to get the golden boot. That's not a debate. My question would be, how many goals does he score? He scored more goals than Chelsea has, hasn't he? Yeah. By himself, yeah. How many, go- how many league goals does he have? 25. I think he'll get between 40 and 45. That sounds outrageous though when you think about it. Not for him, it's not. No, no, no. I completely agree. I think based on the, the squad he's got, like and somebody feeding him so many goals like De Bruyne and uh, Bernardo and that, he's going to score yeah. tons. Yeah. But this is his first season in the Premier League. He's in his early 20s. It's not as if he's like a, a tried and tested centre forward. Man, not, in think... the, not in the English league, he's not tried and tested. He is. Oh, like I said, I'm not, I'm not saying that anything with the Premier League doesn't make it valid. I just think that for somebody to walk in on his first. And his first season, and just hit the ground running as comfortably as that, it's, it's so impressive. Yeah, you, see so, so many, impressive. you see how many players do struggle when they come to the Premier League and they play in the Premier League for the first time. Sometimes they take that bit of uh, adjusting. What worries yeah. me is that this is his adjusting season, oh, and then God. next season, <laughs> you're worried about even, even higher. I think yeah. that if just now, um, if Man City do start to reel. <clears throat> Sorry, if Man City do start to reel Arsenal in, yep. and they're pushing games and they're really going for games and they're trying to, then Haaland, I reckon you could get near the, near the 50 mark. Yeah, I um, think I said to Marty earlier on, I thought 
like you said, if Man City are gathering that momentum and they're 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 going to take goal difference into their own hands by saying, look, if we're level, we'll win it because we'll score much more goals. Yeah, Haaland, they, they don't they tend not to stop. Like they, they, you've seen them score four, five, and six already this season quite comfortably. If Haaland scored twenty five and he had a little bit of a drought, like God forbid, a drought of like two and a half games, but you feel like he, he's going to get. I think I think he's going to hit like. 43, 45, maybe something like that. That's insane. I think realistically, a drought for him is more like two and a half minutes. I mean, two and a half games. It's nice. The thing is, I don't think I'm ever going to get bored of this man, honestly. He just scored. He just, I just love that he's enthusiasm and I think he's brilliant. But yeah. I think, so what are we thinking then for goals for Haaland? 44. Above? 49. This has been recorded today, so we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll gather a, a winner based on this. I think, I think, what was he on, 25? Yeah. God, it's hard to think of anything less than it has to be in the forties. Eh? It has to be in the forties. Th- I'm going to go forty-seven. Watch him is... get injured and not score any more goals for the rest Aye. of the season now. Yeah, Aye. and he doesn't get the golden boot either. Yeah. <laughs> Our little European uh, road trip, which will dictate um, a quick roundup from Spain, Italy, and Germany. Match day 18 in La Liga. Uh, we'll not go over all the results because I'm sure the viewers aren't really interested in Mallorca versus Celta Vigo. But the top of the table ties, to be fair, um, on Saturday, Real Sociedad went away to Rayo Vallecano at Vallecas and won 2-0, two first-half goals. We saw Sevilla beating Cardiff 1-0 with a late Ivan Rakitic penalty. Now, you wouldn't think that's of all of any relevance, but Sevilla were in the bottom three before that result and that just takes them one point outside the drop zone after a calamitous first half of the season. On Sunday, we saw Barcelona beat Hitafi 1-0 with a Pedri first half goal to keep their lead at the top. And we in the late game at San Mamez, we've seen Real Madrid winning 2-0 away to Athletic Club with goals from Karim Benzema and uh, uh, Tony Cruz with the second. Benzema's goal was... Sublime, if you don't have the chance to see it, please, please have a look. That keeps Real's, uh, Real in second place behind Barcelona, three points adrift, and they're three points ahead of third place Sociedad. Down the bottom, like I said, Sevilla escaped the drop, um, are only just out by a point ahead of, it's very narrow in the bottom, Hitafe, Celta Vigo, Valladolid, uh, Carrick, and Languish in the bottom is Elche. So, all to play for um, this week coming up, we do have Copa del Rey action, um, during the week, quarter-final stage, some tasty ties. Wednesday sees Barcelona hosting Real Sociedad at Camp Nou. Sevilla heading to Osasuna. Late kickoff in Pamplona in January. Not sure why it's kicking off at 10pm Spanish time. It's maybe minus two at kickoff. Enjoy that one. Um, Valencia hosts Athletic Bilbao. And Real Madrid hosts Atletico Madrid at the Bernabeu. That is a quarter-final action for the Copa del Rey before La Liga action takes place again at the weekend. I know that Marty's going to recover. Serie A, Marty, what have you got for us? Uh, Starting Wednesday last week, the day after our podcast last week, Inter Milan won the Italian Super Cup by beating AC Milan 3-0. And where was that game played about? I got played in Saudi Arabia for some strange strange reason. Uh, Saturday saw Napoli win again with a 2-0 win against Salernitana. Sunday, Juventus and Atalanta produced a six-goal throw, three each. Brilliant game. Alexander Lukman scored two goals for Atalanta. He's scored like seven goals in his last three matches. 
Mm-hmm. Um, what else? What else did we have on Sunday? Roma beat Spezia away 2-0. Tammy Abraham got one of the goals. Monday saw Inter lose at home to Empoli. And me being an Inter man, it was very disappointing. Very, very disappointing. And currently in Serie A, it's half-time. Lazio are 2-0 up against AC Milan. Yep. Just saw the same and, goal on TV now. Yeah. So uh, the league table, Napoli 12 points clear AC Milan. Lazio third, Inter fourth. Uh, Roma and Atlanta in the European spots. And bottom of the table, Cremonese are still winless after 19 matches. Wow. They're going to um, Fixtures coming up for this week. Bear with me a second. Uh, this weekend, uh, main standout fixtures, Inter Milan are away to Cremonese. AC Milan are home to Sassuolo. Juventus play Monza in Turin. And the big game of the weekend is on Sunday night. Sunday night? Yep, Sunday night. Napoli against Roma. Oofed. In oh. Naples. Again, it's another big test for Nap- Napoli, but they seem to be passing these tests with flying colours at the moment. Yeah. And I'd actually put Napoli in the same bracket as Arsenal at the moment. Yeah. They're flying high, and every every week goes past, they're, they're going to go more and more likely they're going to win this championship. Yeah. Um, moving over, we've seen the Bundesliga resume its um, league campaign after the winter, winter break. It saw the... Flagship game on Friday night with Leipzig hosting Bayern in a 1-1 draw. This is match day 16 after the long break. Um, the other results, we saw some ridiculous results. Wolfsburg beat fourth place Freiburg 6-0. Yeah. And then that was followed by Cologne beating Werder Bremen 7-1. Then the Sunday game, we saw Borussia Dortmund edge at Augsburg with a 4-3 win at Dortmund with a late goal coming from Giovanni Reyna to keep some pressure on Bayern Munich. Um, match day 17 has already started with midweek games. Believe it or not, final whistle was Schalke 1, Leipzig 6. I think what the Germans been doing during the winter break, but it seems to be their finishing has <laughs> definitely been pretty impressive. Plenty <laughs> goals. And at the minute, after it's in the second half, Bayern Munich 0, Cologne 1 at the minute. Again, that does shorten the gap for Bayern at the top, but Leipzig, if it stays the same way, will be only 3 behind Bayern Munich with its teams behind them all inching pretty close uh, involves from Dortmund up until Frankfurt and third down the bottom Schalke again like Elche and like um, Cremonese single figures at this point in the season doesn't bode well for the rest of the campaign so Schalke Hertha Berlin and Augsburg are in the bottom three at the minute yeah. and we'll take it from there We've got fixtures coming up at the weekend. If we move back to the domestic games in England and Scotland, I know that this Saturday we'll see Scottish Premiership action with Easter Road. Um, I don't know how we call this game. El Shittigo. <laughs> Hibs versus Aberdeen. Uh, Rangers hosting St. Johnston at Ibrox. Ross County hosting Kilmarnock in a big game down the bottom of the table. St Mirren hosting Motherwell. Sunday sees Livingston hosting Hearts at Ammon Vale and Celtic travelling to Dan and Dice to take on Dungeon United in the four o'clock game. And then we've got one midweek fixture, which is Ross County hosting Hibs up at Dingwall. Oh God. What are we thinking, gentlemen? I think uh, Hibs and Aberdeen on Saturday. Now, I've seen games in the past, I've seen games, loads of games where managers are under pressure. This game, both managers are under severe pressure. Yeah. I mean, the noose around both their necks is getting tighter and tighter. Yeah. You're going to see every every time Aberdeen attack, Lee Johnson's going to be looking up at the looking up at the the chairman in the stand, going, "Oh no, oh no, 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 no!" 
and it'd be the uh, exact opposite as soon as uh, Hibs attack Jim Goodwin's going to be doing the same yeah so what were you thinking it's one of those games it's either going to be no no there's going to be so many mistakes and it's going to be horrible yeah or it could swing the other way where both teams just go hammer and tonging each other and it ends 4-4-5-4 to somebody yeah I think it I don't think if any if either of the teams get beat, I think their manager must seriously be looking at just packing their bags and going because it it can't bode well for them at any stage. A, a defeat at this point would be absolutely catastrophic to their hopes of keeping their job. Yeah, I'm not sure what to think of the other games. I know that St Johnson travel to Tybrox is a tough tough game for Saints on the back of a not brilliant um, run of fixtures. Um, Celtic. Up to Tannadice on Sunday could be potentially tricky, but we've seen them play that last time they won 9 0, so I take that back. And then Hibs go up to Ross County on Tuesday night. Again, horrible fixture up there at the late January spell. Will be a new manager in charge? Will Hibs have picked up three against Aberdeen? It solely depends on the Saturday result and the confidence going into that. Will Nisbet be away? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Ross County away gives me the fear as a Hibs fan. <laughs> gives me the actual fear. <laughs> Give me the it's fear like for years, though. It's like Halloween. It's like it gives you the fear. Yeah. You just didn't want to play that fixture, but you have to. I know. I think the um, Livy, Livy Hearts game could be interesting as well. I think yeah. Livy have started to won the last couple of games, so they're coming into a wee bit of form. Yep. Yeah. But Hearts have just looked ruthless. I mean, yeah. when they played against Hibs at the weekend, I know you said Hibs were terrible, but I thought Hibs were the better team against Hearts. Yeah. Um, and Hearts were just clinical when they got their chances. They they just put them away. So that no, could be a that could be an interesting game. I agree. I, I, when I said terrible, I, I solely meant that the the the, the result was shocking for Hibs. Yeah. In terms, of you kind of get beat three 0 from your rivals twice in the space of three weeks. That alone is completely unacceptable. The performance actually wasn't that bad up until the final third. A lot of moments in the final third, but not an awful lot of clinical efforts. Harsh took theirs, and the three 0 was a bit more exaggerated than the result deemed when you watch the game live. It wasn't a three 0 game. But it doesn't matter. The score said 3-0. They won 3-0 and that's the end of it. If I'm a harsh fan, I'm not giving a fuck if it was 3-0 by a hooker crook. You won 3-0. It's an absolute drubbing yet again. So yeah. big big games come up down, uh, down the bottom of the table. Some interesting ones. that could see somebody lose their job, I think. Um, Going down south, I know that it is FA Cup weekend um, starting on Friday night with a massive game at the Etihad with Man City hosting Arsenal. And what could be a prelim to the potential title chain, title defining games. Um, I know that Saturday has got a couple of fixtures. Now, me and Marty spoke off air before that. There's a couple of not standout ties. There's not an awful lot that, that take your interest. The Sunday games tend to be a little bit better. I'd argue that Brighton hosting Liverpool. Yeah, um, Wrexham with a, a really tasty tie against Sheffield United. That'll see what they're at in terms of their progression. And I think West Ham have got a really tricky tie away to Derby on the Monday night. So, yeah. Again, not a lot of standout ties, but Sunday looks like a, a decent day for a couple of a couple of games. Liverpool may have a tricky one away to Brighton. What are we thinking, Bob? I'm I'm loving the FA Cup this season. The fact that we've got so many Premier League teams out already. Yeah, and I think there's just so many small teams, smaller teams that are playing against each other, that you're going to get them going further on, where you might get upsets further, further throughout the the competition. No, I agree. Um, Look at so, that: Blackburn, yeah. Birmingham, guaranteed. Bristol City, West Brom, Ipswich, Burnley, Luton, Grimsby, Sheffield Wednesday, Fleetwood. 
there's there's Stevenage versus Stoke, Wrexham, Sheffield United. There's going to be championship and down teams right through that competition, right into the last sixteen to the last eight. Yeah. Some yeah, decent ties. Yeah. I know currently it is the first leg of the League Cup semi-finals with Southampton hosting Newcastle at St Mary's. Uh, it's coming for half-time and at the time of recording it is 0-0 between the two teams. Um, by the looks of it, not much in the game. Saints have had three bookings but it's still 0-0 come up for the break now. And United, is it United hosting Forest or Forest hosting United? Mark, keep me right. Forest, Forest are at home first. Forest are at home Man United tomorrow, tomorrow night, night in the first league. Okay. Yeah. I think if United win that tomorrow night, that's the tie over. Forest don't travel well, so Forest really need to get a result tomorrow if they want to take anything into the second leg. Exactly. Yeah. Forest yeah. lose tomorrow, they can't. I can't see them coming back. Old Trafford, to be honest. No, I totally. So, agree. You can almost say the same against Southampton as well. They need something tonight against Newcastle. Yeah, yeah. 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 When that goes back up, back up north next week, then tough yeah. one. Yeah, a tough, tough one for them to come back. Um, before we move on to our performance of the week, just let me remind anybody that's listening, if you do like the content that you're receiving, please subscribe um, on your normal retail sites. I'm sure it'll be Apple, Spotify, you know the usual mob. The referee's a tanker. Pin it, share it, get it moving, get everyone listening. Passionate about what we do, there's lots of content out there, but please feel free to subscribe, share it with your friends and get the get our, get our voices out there. Eh? Um, gentlemen, before we wrap up, who would, other than Darvel, which is the obvious choice, and I think that's <laughs> your obvious performance of the week, who gets your stamp of the week? Who gets your um, highlight individual performance from an, from a team, from a player, sorry, or as a collective, who got a great result that you didn't see coming? Who who beat the odds? Who overstretched himself? Who beat a big boy? Give me your thoughts. Uh, I, me, personally, I'm going to give my performance of the week to Haaland because he has he has been criticised the last couple of games because he wasn't that involved against Man United yep he scored against Tottenham but people were saying so maybe he doesn't fit Man City's style and he's answered that with a hatcher against Wolves yeah. and, to be and fair, one against all, Tottenham as well and he scored against Tottenham yeah uh, all three goals against Wolves were superb even the, the header was outstanding Yeah, and I think he's, he's shot a few critics up there to score his hat-trick and He's my performance of the week, Erling Haaland. Yeah. Bob? I was going to say Haaland as well, but I'll go with something different. Yeah, uh, Maybe not a shock result, but I think uh, West Ham beating Everton 2-0. Yep. Um, when you're playing and there's so much riding on a game, um, West Ham were, were very comfortable in the game, did well, never really under that much pressure from Everton. So, yeah, I'd say I'd give it to West Ham. I've got to agree on... Um, I would have picked either of those two if I didn't pick my one. I thought Haaland's answered whatever critics that there were. I can't imagine there was many, but like you said, he's often looks a little bit frustrated that he's not getting the ball and his feet enough and City like to play that way where he gets moved around a lot. And sometimes you're just like, God, just feed him. He's going to score goals. But he did shut everyone up that was potentially thinking about giving him a little bit of a jip. Um, West Ham's result with Jared Bowen getting two was a huge individual performance for him. He's had a pretty quiet season. I will say my performance of the week goes to Eddie and Ketia. I feel like, I, I personally, off air, we've had discussions, I thought that he wouldn't be up to the level that Gabriel Jesus would give Arsenal in that front line. Jesus's link-up play is really good, but Alan Shearer has said that Eddie Nketiah was like a Ian Wright. Never got really many touches of the ball, and he's often not involved within the 90 minutes in terms of he'll not drop deep, he'll know 
kind of link up playing particularly well, but when he gets the ball, he's either hitting the target or hitting the net. He's either waking the goalie work or he's making the centre has work. And I feel like that was a defining moment for him, like a big goal late on in the game for a, ch- a potential like watershed moment in terms of a big, big game. He's a he's a young guy who's been out on loan a couple of times. Palace leads to name a few, and then he comes back. He gets his chance. A lot of pressure on him. The play with one through the middle with a lot of guys wide, a lot of a lot of movement in that final third. And a lot of people were probably thinking their season could be under pressure. And when Ikea came in, he's stood up to the test. He scored goals when it's mattered, and fair play to him. He's been fantastic. Massive props to Eddie Ketter. Good choices, boys. Good choices. Yeah. yeah. Right, before we wrap up, everyone, um, we're going to try and introduce some bonus pod action. We're talking off air and we're going to think about introducing the top fives. As um, football fanatics like ourselves and everyone that listens, we like a list, we like a top five, whether it be rivalries, whether it be goals, whether it be away days. We're hoping to bring some bonus pod action to yourselves within the coming weeks and we'll give you notice after our um, next pod, perhaps next week. But we'll take it from there, guys. Have a great day and we'll catch up soon. Take care. Take care, guys. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Ta-da.